Hi friends, and welcome to The Spirit Scoop with Michelle. Michelle is just your typical grounded tourist, Canadian loving girl who loves everything spiritual. Michelle is a spiritual medium, a Reiki master, and an angel reader. Get ready each week to dive into Michelle's own lived experiences, spiritual guidance and tips, awesome guests, and lots and lots of spirits, of course. Together, we'll feel inspired. We may learn something new. We'll learn to trust in spirit. And don't be surprised if you have a lot of OMG moments. So now's your time to grab a cup of tea, get comfortable, and we're about to start. Here's your host, Michelle Lindsay. Today I have Carolyn, one of my good friends here, and we are going to kind of wanted to do like a spooky episode, but also an episode where you can listen to it at any time. So yeah, we're just going to jump in. Carolyn has some fun stories about like growing up in a haunted house and what that was like. And now she is a medium. So I'm wondering of how, you know, how that took a place in her story as well. But yeah, we're going to talk about anything and everything kind of spooky today. So thanks, Carolyn. My pleasure. I'm so happy to be here and talk to the, talk to you about this kind of stuff. Yay, me too. Hi. So I always say it's spooky season because I feel like all of October is like spooky season. <laughs> totally, especially once we move into Scorpio. It really gets that extra vibe happening. Totally. For holidays, like is Halloween one of your, I feel like Halloween's like beats Christmas for you. A hundred percent. Yeah. Way less pressure, you know, way less pressure to socialize and way more like dressing up for fun instead of to be fancy, you know? Mm -hmm. I love Halloween season for sure. It's always been my favorite. I've really wanted to do like a ghost tour this spooky season. I guess it's spooky season's not over yet, but. You should. My favorite ghost tour that I've ever done has been in Victoria, unless you want to go all the way to Scotland. But the one that they do in Gastown is also super fun. And I've done that one twice. Okay, so you've done it in Gastown, you've done it in Scotland and Victoria? Yes. Okay, what is that like? Oh my god, I love it. So like usually they take you around to different locations that have either like folklore or stories. And so like in Vancouver, most of the ghost tour revolves around Gastown. um, Because that's one of the oldest parts of Vancouver. That was the original port after New Westminster. And uh without like giving too many details away. There was a huge fire that swept through Gastown. So they talk about like a lot of the original buildings that had gone up before the fire and how much of it burnt down during the fire and like who was accounted for before and not after the fire and some other details about certain prominent Vancouver figures from around that time. It was really, really fun. Okay, that's so awesome. Yeah, I know every time I go to the spaghetti factory, it's like known for being haunted. Totally. And like Gastown is very like, as soon as you enter, it's got its own vibe to it. But all the old buildings and the steam clock and everything. I was just going to say, I also worked in Gastown for 10 years. So Mm -hmm. like I was around a lot of that energy for a long time, both in the like in the building that I worked at, at Colorbox Hair Salon you know, like in Guilt and Co and other venues around uh, Gastown. And I like get so many spooky vibes from those places. And sometimes it's totally fine. And sometimes it's less comfortable. But that whole area for me has a lot of energy and a lot of charge. I remember you telling me you have a story about where you worked in Gastown. 
Totally. Yeah. So is there one story that comes to mind? Well, there was like one spirit that I felt really connected to in the building. So like the, the building is super old and a lot of the businesses shared a back hallway that led to a shared washroom. And so a lot of the time I would like catch people out of the corner of my eye walking from one of the other businesses to the washroom. And then every now and then I would notice something out of the corner of my eye and I would look and there would be nothing there. And I started to refer to that spirit as Josephine. And then when I did the haunted tour of Gastown, like I only picked up on a couple of things about her, which were that like, I knew she was female. I knew she was young and I had a feeling that she passed from falling. It was just the idea of momentum in a downward motion. And uh, when I did the haunted tour of Gastown, we stopped behind the building that I worked in and the the guide told us a story about a woman who had passed in a way that confirmed my my feelings, my sensations. Like when I had felt it, I, I wasn't sure. Like the, the building is also a Freemason building. I like have a sense that there was probably a lot of weird stuff that happened in there back in the day. So I couldn't put my finger on why she was falling if like something weird and occult was happening. But when we stopped behind the building, they were talking about how when the fire swept through Gastown, there used to be a well where my building was. And one of the bodies that they found after the fire was that of a woman and her child. And she had climbed down the well trying to stay away from the fire and they didn't pass from being burned. They passed from lack of oxygen because the fire consumed all the oxygen above them. Got goosebumps. Wow. Totally. totally. That's so interesting. That's so cool that you were able to get that confirmed back like years mm-hmm. later. I know. And like, I had no idea when we left for the tour that that was where we were going to stop at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meant to be. So when I think of Halloween, I sometimes I think of Ouija boards <laughs> and this isn't an energy I like to talk about or tap into, but I definitely have like a spooky story about a Ouija board, but I want to hear like, do you, what's your experience? Have you ever tried one before? What do you believe about them? Sure. Yeah. I, I think I, well, I do believe in Ouija boards and I personally don't mess with them. I also think that like anything that we give the power of fear to holds power. So I try not to give too much power to it, but personally, I don't practice with Ouija boards. I did play around with one when I was a kid with a bunch of friends and I cannot remember the details of the story. All I remember was that by the time everyone went home that evening, we were all super freaked out and I never wanted to touch one again. So I never did. And every now and then, you know, you like pop into an antique store. And because I'm into all of the kind of witchy stuff, my friends will always be like, hey, do you want to buy this? And I'm always like, no, absolutely not. Thanks very much. Anyway, you know, note to listeners, please don't buy me a Ouija board for my birthday. Mm, Okay. It's interesting. It's like, all you need is that one experience. And then Mm -hmm. you're like, it's a hell no, never again. Don't even talk about a Ouija board. A hundred percent. I remember as a kid, um, we were doing a garage sale. And I guess my sister, we're doing a garage sale and she had a Ouija board that she did with her friends and I didn't have anything to do with it. But my dad was mentioning, he's like a sales guy. So he's like, oh, what do you think about this chair? What do you think about this? I got something that you might like. And he's like, what about this Ouija board? Take this Ouija board. And then this this like older man, he's just looked at my dad like so scared. He's like, no, no. And he's slowly backing away. He's like, 
what did he say? He's like, don't bring that thing near me. He had an experience where he threw one out in the garbage and then it got, it came back to his house somehow. And it's just like, it was like this crazy haunted story. And my dad was just like, oh, like, I don't think my dad knew anything like really about what Ouija board was, but this guy, <laughs> he definitely knew and the fear on his face. But wow. even knowing that, of course, I experimented it with it once. Of course, um, a little rebel. Of course. It was just the one time. Yes. All you need is that one time. And I had to touch base with a a friend of mine because it's been 12 years. And I think like, you know, after so many years, you start to think like, well, did I make that experience up? Like, mm-hmm. did this really happen? Or am I just like twisting the story for some some reason? I emailed her today. I checked with checked with her and I was like, can you confirm that like what I think happened actually happened? So what happened was my girlfriend and I, we went to California and stayed with her friends, two girls. and. I guess they suggested like, let's do a Ouija board. And we were all like hesitant about it. Like, it's funny how you have that hesitancy. You know, it's like, there's that for a reason looking back because we were so hesitant. We're like, I don't know. And then the one, the girl was like, this is before I did anything to do with mediumship or even knew how to communicate with spirit. One of the uh, ladies was saying that, like, she heard that it's fine if you go direct. Like, if you if you go in there and you're like, I only want to contact with this person specifically, then she said that, like, typically you won't get like earthbound spirits around if you if you're very specific. Um, so we're like, oh, then sure, for sure, we'll do a Ouija board then because we knew we all knew that my mom passed away, and we're like, okay, we'll go with the intention that we want to connect with Michelle's mom. So I was like, yeah, that sounds fine. So we turned the lights off, of course. Um, we got, got really witchy and lit a bunch of candles and surrounded us in a circle. You got to get the vibe. And um, so we went in the intention. She, one of the girls was kind of like leading it and talking through it. I was just kind of sitting there and quiet. I didn't know what to expect. We set the intention to connect with my mom and only my mom. As soon as that thing starts moving, you just assume that it's like your friends. You're like, okay, you guys are messing around. And everyone's like, no, we're not. Uh, because it's like a game you can buy this at Toys R Us like like you just think it's a game so but then nobody was moving it of course it started talking to us but the answers that we were asking there's other girl she was asking questions for me she was asking like is somebody here right now we're wanting to connect with Michelle's mom and we'd ask her questions like are you okay and it would go no and it's like are you happy no, it's just like the messages did not seem like positive from love, from light. The vibe was like we all were scared. That's mm-hmm. I think that's like when you know something, the energy is off. And kid you not, the candles we had probably about I don't know, like I want to say like eight candles or something, but like they were all at the same time flickering like crazy. Oh my god. And I had to ask her, I was like, did I, did they flicker? Did I make it up? Did they go out completely? I couldn't remember. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they just flickered. And then she confirmed, yeah, they were just flickering. But it was almost like, you know, like a big wind comes in and they're all like flickering and there's no windows open or nothing. I think after that, it wasn't too, too long after that, that we, we said goodbye. We wanted to close it up and everything like that scared the crap out of all of us. Like I think that scarred us for life. And then, then that whole night, I was sleeping in the living room on the couch. It felt like that, you know, when someone just feels like that you're just looking at somebody, like it felt like somebody was there in the kitchen and just staring the 
whole time and I could not fall asleep. But luckily, like that didn't last too long. It was just that whole night. But that's that was my only and the craziest spooky Ouija board experience. No, thank you. Oh, my God. No, that would be enough to put anybody off. Mm hmm. And I, I can't really like figure out what the difference is, you know, because now that both of us are trained to communicate with spirit, I don't find that creepy at all. So I can't really say exactly what it is about a Ouija board that like shifts the energy and like, I don't know, makes it go off. But I feel like that happens in every story that I've ever heard about a Ouija board. So yeah, because like the part about being intentional of who you want to connect with sounds kind of similar to when we channel like sometimes we go direct or sometimes we're intentional that we only want to connect with angels and loved ones and those from the fifth dimension are higher but you're right it's something to do with this board where it's like an invitation to nothing but nothing but dark darker or lower vibration energy yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, i agree did you grow up like liking scary movies No, I hated scary movies and my brother loved them. Um, And that was like, you know, interesting. Like he loved watching movies like It. So I feel like I saw the movie It when I was probably like 10, which is probably too young to see that movie. But he would always like make me watch them with him. And then he'd get scared in the middle of the night and sneak into my bed because he was such a little chicken. Um, So like I watched scary movies growing up and uh, I did not really enjoy them I I remember like at my friend's probably ninth or tenth birthday one of my I think I I think to this day one of the scariest movies I've ever seen it's like when you go back and watch it now the quality doesn't seem very good but for me it doesn't interfere with the scariness of it is the changeling you know it's not uh computer generated at all And I don't know if that, I think that, I I feel like that maybe makes it scarier. You know what I mean? For them to simulate some sort of a haunted experience for this movie without any sort of like ghost imagery popping out of anything makes it feel more realistic. You know what I mean? And at one point we all had such a huge jump scare that one of my friends like flailed with her arms open and smashed me in the face and made my nose bleed. So I still watch that movie and it's still scary today. Are scary movies something that you like like watching now or are you still not a fan? I can't do it alone. I like kind of like the thrill of it, but I need a buddy there with me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'm too scared and I usually have to watch a comedy after. To balance it out. Otherwise, it's yeah. like I find that I'll maybe have a nightmare, right? If I go right to sleep I- after. Exactly. I grew up loving scary movies. Like I, my dad would tell me like a good night bedtime story and I was like... Like, I used to watch Chucky, like, as I was, like, eight years old. Like, he just tell me, like, a Chucky story that Chucky's going to kill me. Like, <laughs> I want to be, like, the main character in the movie. I'm just like, oh, my God, you're so funny. <laughs> my dad thinks probably thought I was so twisted. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> funny. It's funny to look back on things like that now, hey? And, like, at the time, you were just like, I want a bedtime story. And now you're like, I was kind of a weird kid. Yeah, I was kind of always twisted, yeah. <laughs> I, I, loved, I loved goosebumps did you ever like goosebumps are you afraid of the dark oh yeah and like ghost hunting shows you know what I mean anything like that I was so into and like crossing over with John Edwards and stuff like that like I was into that from a really young age so I feel like I had like a lot of spirit exposure 
from an early age too. It's funny. It's funny because like when I was a young kid, I wasn't too scared of scary movies. And then as I got older, I think I'm more of a chicken now because like I'll actually get scared of them. But I think maybe I was young. I was trying to be like tough. Like I'm not scared. I could watch anything. But now I'm just like, okay, why fool anybody? Well, and also like when you're a kid and your brain isn't fully developed, you know, like that's why kids walk out on diving boards and just jump off with like no fear at all because they haven't fully developed the part of their brain that tells them what they should be afraid of, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we have more and more experiences as we get older and yeah. What would your three top scary movies be Ooh. that you would watch like yeah. now, nowadays? Oh my God, that's tricky. You know what another movie that absolutely scared the daylights out of me was, was Mothman Prophecies. Did you ever see that? No, I got to start making a list of, of new scary movies. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking maybe this is what I'll do tonight as well. Um, I can't remember who was in that movie, but it like overlaps the idea of like hauntings and alien encounters and the butterfly effect. And it's just like it's so freaky. There's like some owl that shows up outside someone's window. And I like I haven't seen it for so long. So all I remember is like a bunch of this imagery. And then and like the next thing, you know, the house is flooded with the lights from the alien spacecraft and like people are disappearing and weird things are happening to like cows and fields and all that stuff. Anyway, it's a, that's definitely a good one. That's probably another top three. And like the sixth sense was, I feel like that really, I feel like that was so scary in a bad way because I was so sensitive and I could sense spirit from such a early age that that was one of those movies that made me associate spirit communication with being afraid. And I had to do a lot of undoing around that when I started working with Danielle. Oh, wow. Okay. So you felt like you could relate with him at, in the movie, right? Yeah, that and or like it planted seeds. Like I knew I could feel spirit because when we moved into my house after my parents separated, that was when I started feeling spirits. And I didn't like it made me uncomfortable, but I feel like if that movie came out around the same time, it confirmed my discomfort rather than showing me an alternative option, you know? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a good time if you want to get into it, because I know you grew up in a haunted house. You had experiences of spirit as a young age. What was that first moment for you or like that really caught your attention from spirit? I feel like I've heard a lot of philosophy around how when we go through uh, major life-changing moments and or trauma, big T or little T trauma, um, those can like shift our sensitivity in our life. And I feel like when my parents separated, there was a huge onset of deeper sensitivity that happened for me. So like, as soon as we moved into the house, the energy felt off for me. Like I didn't really feel settled. I, I didn't walk into the house and go, Oh, cool. This is my new room. You know, I was like, I don't know if I like it here. You know, I was about seven. I think my parents split when I was seven. So it would have been within that, within that year. So you moved into the house at seven, you kind of had a weird feeling and you didn't, you weren't excited about it. It's almost like your body was telling you like something might be off energetically. Totally. What, what happened next? I feel like a lot of people say this, that there was like a set of stairs that they couldn't walk up. They had to run up them. 
And this house had a set of stairs like that. There was only one set, but I never walked up them at a casual leisurely pace. And at the bottom of the stairs, there was a bathroom straight ahead and like a hallway to the left or the right. And the left side went to my mom's workroom where she did floristry. And there was a storage room behind that. And the storage room was where I felt the most intense energy in the house. And then if you turned to the right, there was like a spare room and a living room and a laundry room under the stairs. All of the energy, that's not true. I was going to say all of the energy that freaked me out was downstairs, but there was energy upstairs that freaked me out too. And it was on the front porch. We had moved in and I was always running up the stairs and finally, I like went to my mom because she's always been super open-minded. I just said to her, like, I'm super freaked out at night. I'm having a hard time sleeping. I feel like someone comes halfway up the stairs so that their eyes are level with the floor. And it feels like they're looking under my bedroom door. And I had that feeling all the time. And it was so creepy. And I feel like that was actually probably a hugely pivotal moment in my relationship with my mom, my relationship with myself and my relationship with spirit, because her reaction really like dictated how that would unfold. And her response was to tell me, I don't understand. I don't feel the same things, but I have a friend who speaks this language and I'm going to invite her over to talk to you. So she did that. She brought her friend Judy over. It was around age seven where I first learned the basics of like identifying spirit energy and or communicating with it. Like she just started with the basics with me. Is it male or female or like masculine or feminine? And uh, is it old or young? Does it feel safe or not safe? And we started with the energy that was on the front porch because it was the least frightening energy for me in the house. And I said, you know, like it feels like a woman, she feels older, like she gives me mom energy. No, I don't feel like she has any ill will or anger or negative intentions. It just feels like she's watching over. And Judy said to me, okay, so that's great. So if at any point you feel uncomfortable with that presence, you can just say to spirit, hey, you're not welcome here right now. You have to leave. And that gave me a little bit of permission to start like setting boundaries and creating a bit more of a sense of safety for myself. But there was so much more energy in the house that was bigger than that, that I struggled with that boundary setting uh, in the time that we lived in that house, for sure. Did you find that it was harder, like the other spirits didn't really listen to your boundaries compared to the women that was on the porch? For sure. Identify about four different spirit energies in that house. There was the woman on the front porch and there was the energy in the storage room. And for me, that felt like manic masculine energy. Like it felt like frenetic and scary. And I, that was my least favorite. And then I had this crazy dream one night. This was the one that freaked me out the most. Okay. Because it was so visceral. So I had a dream. And then something that we learned in spirit school later confirmed the, I don't know, it just confirmed that experience for me. So like I had this dream that I was having a sleepover with a friend in a really weird place in the house, which was like downstairs beside the laundry room. That's not somewhere where I would have a sleepover, but we had our sleeping bag set up and we were like 
getting ready to go to sleep. And I turned to whatever friend was there with me in the dream. And I was like, I thought I saw something at the foot of my sleeping bag. And my friend was like, I didn't see anything. And I was like, oh, okay. So like, are you ready to turn the lights off and go to bed? And my friend was like, yep. So I turned the lights off and I climbed into my bed. And after I like got settled and opened my eyes to look at my feet, there were two little girls standing at the foot of my sleeping bag, both of them pointing to the laundry room and saying to me telepathically, you can't tell your mom that we're here because this is a dream. And I screamed myself awake in real life, which always makes me laugh because, you know, in real life, the sound is like, <laughs> and then I finally did shout loud enough for my mom to hear me. And she was like, are you okay? And when I opened my eyes and was awake, I could still feel the energy of the little girls in my bedroom. And I was never able to confirm any of the story. Like I tried to look up archives from the city and stuff. And I know there was a fire in my house or at least on the property where my house was at some point, but I couldn't get any more details than that. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's terrifying. So your mom sounds very like open. Like, is she also very spiritually open to this as well? Like, does she have experiences also? Or yeah, I wonder like anywhere else in your family line, does this come up for people? Totally. You know, it's funny. My mom is not sensitive to like spirit energy or like, um, I don't know, like dense energies in places. She doesn't seem to pick up on that. But I grew up with my mom like really casually incorporating angels and manifestation into our everyday life. She would always say things like lucky parking angel, lucky parking angel. I need a parking spot. Give me a parking spot. And lo and behold, one would show up or she would say like, you know, if there was times where she was struggling financially, she would say, okay, universe. Okay. Angels. I need $300 to cover this bill and I need it by Tuesday. And on Monday, she would get a phone call from a client asking to come and decorate their house for Christmas for $500. And I watched her do that on a regular basis. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So just taking it back a little bit. So what was Judy's advice on what to do with those other spirits how to live with them. Did they end up leaving? Could you just clear your house and they left? Like, I'm wondering how that transformed or changed mm -hmm. over time. You know, I think um, I didn't have a lot of conversations with Judy after, after our initial conversation. It was like, she gave me the basics to sort of like help me make some sense of it, but she was just, she didn't do intuitive work. And I don't know, I can't even remember what she did as her profession, but I only had that one conversation with her where she basically told me, just tell them to go away if you're not comfortable. And I didn't find that that was always effective for me, partly because I didn't know how to pull myself out of the fear if I was feeling afraid. And so um, learning some skills around that made a huge difference. But I think it was probably in the 10 years that we lived in that house that I was mostly trying to avoid my intuition and move away from it because they really didn't have, I didn't have enough tools for how to manage it. And we lived there for 10 years. Did you move because it was haunted or for other reasons? No, we moved for other reasons. And after, and like when we moved, my mom got remarried when I was about 16, eight or 10 years later. 
when we moved into the new house, that was the house that always felt like home to me. Like when I think about the feeling of going home, that's the house I think of. And we lived there from when I was about, well, they stayed for longer than I did. I think I was there from about 16 to 22 or something like that. And I loved that house. And I especially loved the fact that I didn't feel any spirit energy there. Mm-hmm. That must have been a nice feeling for sure. Like black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huge relief. Mm-hmm. So the whole 10 years that you've been there, did those feelings, those spirits ever go away or they just, they never left? They didn't. And like maybe a year or a year and a half or so ago, maybe it was longer. I posted a little story on my Instagram and uh, with like a question answer for the audience to reply and just said like, what do you feel when you look at this picture? And one of my childhood best friends, uh, she didn't ever come to this house. It was like, I was friends with her before I was seven when my parents were still together, but we reconnected in the most in uh, the recent years. And she replied to the story and she pointed at the windows where she felt the energy and they were absolutely the places where I felt the most of it as well. So I still feel like some of that energy is in that house. I've walked past it and get this, Michelle, this was the craziest part. Okay. So I was having a, I had a new client in my chair, maybe a year ago, we were chit chatting away and I'm telling her that I also do mediumship on the side and that I had grown up in this haunted house. And she asked me where I grew up and I told her North Van and she's like, I live in North Van, what part? And I was like near Edgemont village. And she's like, that's where I am. And I'm like, I was on evergreen. And she's like, what? She lives in my haunted house. Oh, wow. Full it was so crazy. Oh my gosh. Well, how does she feel? How does she feel now knowing has, how, how haunted it is? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was said to her, like, as soon as we put those pieces together, I was like, Oh, sorry about your luck. But she said she doesn't, she said she has felt some weird energy there, but they also renovated the entire basement and turned it into a suite so that it's separate from the upstairs of the house. And I imagine that probably would have shifted the energy a lot. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a nice living story. Not crazy. At a young age, you were frightened by yeah. spirits. And now you are not frightened by spirits and you have leaned more into this mediumship work. Where mm-hmm. was like the transition st- stage for you, like in between? Mm-hmm. It was probably around 2015 when I took my energy healing program at Langara that I started to feel more empowered in my abilities to sense things and have a little bit more control over the boundary aspect of it. And so it was probably, yeah, it was probably around that time that I sort of allowed it to start expanding more and trust the things that were coming in and uh, felt more safe in like receiving and delivering that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, it's always been a part of you. It feels like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's like you go through your waves of like how you feel about it, how it makes you feel and you learn more about it. And it's like, now I feel like you're on this other spectrum of working with energy and that's beautiful how it's always been a part of your life and it's transformed hugely. And when you see spirit on the, like the left side or the, the, the right side, I'm sure people are wondering, like, do they look like a real person or do you see, like, you feel like you see them in your mind or is it just like an intuition where you're like, I know that there's a man over there. 
Yeah. I think it's more the latter for me. Like it's more an intuitive sense. It's more of a knowing, but the way that I recently started describing it to people is like, it's like trying to watch TV through a rear view mirror. I can see what's happening. I could tell you what's happening in the scene, but the details are really hard to, to pull out. You know, it's like you're watching something third hand or something like that. Okay. How do you see them? Um, I've definitely had different experiences. So uh, I was going to ask you as well, but like I've had experiences where I've seen them as a physical, like right beside my bed. And I thought somebody broke in, they have their shoes on, they have the jeans on, like it looks like a person. So I've had those times where it's, it was a handful of times where I've seen them physically. Um, but usually it's like when the lights are off um, at late at night and usually after waking up out of a dream, because I feel like they tend to visit me while I'm sleeping. And then if I wake up all of a sudden, I see them there. So and, you had the same thing that I did. Yeah. When you wake up from a spirit visitation and you can still feel them beside you. Ugh. Yeah. I know, <laughs> but that happened when I was around, I want to say 18, 19, like later in life, which is interesting. Um, but then there's also times where I'll do readings and I don't actually see the person or spirit at all. Um, so sometimes they'll show it, show me them. Sometimes they won't. But like, if I do see them in a reading, they're not like as clear, right? It's almost like an outline of them, but they'll highlight something specifically. Like maybe they want to show me that they had like stubble or like a beard and they'll just kind of highlight. That's almost like a zoomed in video of just their beard and I don't see anything else. So it, it varies. Totally. That's a great way to describe it. But with earthbounds, I don't tend to feel them on a daily basis, but I wonder like for your house that you live in now, when you first moved in, how did it feel for you? absolutely magical. I like wanted to live in this building for probably four or five years before I actually got to move in. And when I came to the viewing, just to see the apartment, the landlord at the time showed me a unit on the opposite side of the building. And I walked in and everything about it was wrong. And I started to low key panic because I was like, Oh, no, is this like, the only chance that I have to move into the building is a unit that I don't like and doesn't feel good at all. And I said to her, like, I don't really like this. And I don't really like that. And this thing isn't going to work for me. And she said, that's fine. There's another unit on the other side. Let me show you that one. I think you're going to like it more. And as soon as we walked in, it was like, there was like a pin dropping silence that felt so peaceful. And that has been such a beautiful gift. I have loved living in this apartment so much. A lot of the time when we're like invited to move into a heart-centered space of gratitude, one of the things that I bring into my mind or into my heart is how grateful I am for the place that I live because it just feels so safe and peaceful. It's beautiful. That's the one thing that you want out of a house, right? Exactly. I think that's a good story for people when they're house searching or they're looking for places to rent or buy. It's like, instead of almost like, it's like all the details is important. Like, does it have how many bedrooms? Does it have an office? If you need one, does it have, some people are so specific. Like I really want a window over my kitchen um, sink. It's like all these little things that we want, but I'm sure those are important as well. But I think to like, going into a space energetically and seeing how you feel in it is like, I, I would say top of the list of how this oh, yeah. place makes you feel. Cause you're going to be spending all of your time 
in this one spot. It could check all the boxes, but you're like, doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's for me. Totally. Totally. I agree with you so much. I've moved a lot in my life and um, I know that I'm capable of turning every space into a home. I'm good at that, but there are certain places that like hold that feeling on a more organic level than other places. I think the same way that you can travel to different cities around the world and either feel like you've landed in somewhere that feels like home or somewhere that feels like really far away from home, you know? Totally. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to earthbounds, like how often do you experience them now? Like, is it very rare because your house is such like a high vibe place? Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, I guess, like, when your last experience was? I do think that I experience Earthbounds less now that I have done a lot of training with Danielle around mediumship and learning how to communicate and shifting the focus. Like, I think before, like what we were saying before about setting the intention to go direct or just be receptive, I feel like prior to my training at Spirit School, I was just receptive to what was around me. And now I've closed off a little bit of that receptivity for my own well-being and choose when I want, uh, I'm way more intentional when I want to start communicating with spirit. But I would say it still happens to me on a regular basis that I can walk into a space. Like for instance, um, just yesterday, one of my best friends invited me out to Aldergrove because he and his partner just acquired a new property that has um, that used to belong to another family member and he wanted me to move through one of the spaces and see what I picked up because he picked up on some stuff there as well and so you know now now I move through it a lot more intentionally but I think when there's a really strong energetic resonance in a space I usually pick up on that as well like I can't think of anywhere locally outside of yesterday that I've had a very profound experience in the, in the past little while, but like, you know, years ago I was traveling in India with my mom and I had a absolutely wild experience in a hotel there where I wholeheartedly, I feel very confident saying that a spirit was trying to communicate with me through physical, um, like modes it was trying to communicate through electric current I can tell that story if you like and then I also had another wild experience in Scotland that just a couple experiences in Scotland actually because there's so much history it goes it just like is so dense and rich and old in history and both of those places actually so these two experiences were major ones that shook me to the core so in India we were in Kerala And this was like the beginning stages of the internet. So like Facebook existed, but I don't think Instagram was a thing yet. So my mom had like gone to bed at say nine o'clock and I was just chilling in our room, like checking Facebook or something. And our, our phone rang out of nowhere and I answered it and it was a dial tone. And I had that nervous flutter move through my body that I know now means spirit is present. I used to think it just meant I was afraid, but now I don't feel as afraid about connecting to spirit. So now I recognize that feeling as spirit is close. And so I put the phone back down on the receiver and about five minutes later, the phone rang again 
and I picked it up and it was the dial tone. Wow. And I put it down and it rang in my hand. And I picked it up and it was the dial tone and I put it back down and I thought I was going to barf. Like, I honestly feel like I made physical contact with spirit, like the spirit was touching the phone. And so I called the concierge and I said, hi, I'm calling from whatever number this room is. Did you just call my phone from the front desk or did you just call my room from the front desk? And he was like, no, ma'am. Nope. Nobody called your room. And I said, okay, well. Is it normal? Like, have you had other people report random phone calls to the room and then answer to a dial tone? And he said, nope, we haven't had that. I said, well, can you give me any explanation for why that might happen? And he was like, nope, maybe just unplug your phone. And I was like, oh, my God. And my mom was asleep through the entire thing. She never woke up. (laughs) So it rang before you hung it up. It's in your hand and it rang. It was like I was, it rang, I picked it up. And as I was placing it back down on the receiver, it rang in my hand. So like it was connected in a way where it would ring, but I was still holding it. I didn't even have time to let it go. And so I got off the phone with the concierge and I went into the internet and just Googled like Kerala, India. And the first thing that popped up was that it was a battleground. And so like, I do, I do believe in like, being able to tap into the energy of memory or previous experience, because the only, the only reality is the present moment. So we can access the past just as easily as we can access the future, but that's a whole other conversation. And when I like tune back into that energy, it very much for me feels like a soldier trying to call home, trying to get a message back to loved ones was absolutely what it felt like. Wow. I think in my heart, because it feels sad that he was trying to get this call. Yeah, totally. It felt super sad. And that's kind of like how I have described moving through the world is I feel like I feel like buttered popcorn walking down a hallway, like spirit can sense that I can sense them. And it kind of like pulls them forward. So sometimes I like, if, if I feel overexposed or vulnerable, I try to be conscientious of how much I'm emanating, you know? Mm-hmm. You want to share your Scotland story as well? I do because it was so wild. Okay. So like I only recently learned I was in, uh, I was in Edinburgh. I had, I had lost a friend a couple months prior and she and I share a birthday. So I didn't want to be home for my birthday. I wanted to be out of town. So I was already in a, a spiritual headspace around that. I was staying at a hostel in Edinburgh I did a haunted tour in Edinburgh as well. And you go through like the, there's like a full underground city. I can't remember. I'm like so bad at remembering details, but like it was illegal to be homeless. So if you couldn't afford a home, which many people could not, you had to live underground and so much crime would happen underground, but they take you on a tour through the underground under the city. That was wild. So I was staying at this hostel. I only recently learned in life that you're only supposed to cleanse spaces you own with smoke. And I know that there's also different beliefs around cultural appropriation around using sage and things like that. So we live and we learn at that time. I didn't know. So I had brought some sage with me 
And I became like friendly with the hostel owner who was around the same age as me. And he had mentioned to me that the smell of sage freaked him out. It like made him think of ghosts. So when I came home after a couple of beers with some other people at the hostel, I said to the dude who was working at the front desk, I'm going to smudge the hostel just to bug the owner to be funny so that when he gets to work in the morning, it's going to smell like that. And he's going to be freaked out. And the dude working the front desk was like, ha ha, that's very funny. Go right ahead and do that. Smudged the hostel, went to bed. And when I woke up in the morning, all of the electrics in the building were crosswired. So there was another hostel underneath the one that I was staying in. And when their doorbell would go off, our doorbell would go off and vice versa. We couldn't get any lights. We didn't have any electricity on our floor. And when the hostel owner, when I saw him later that day, I said, Adam, I feel like I owe you an apology. And he's like, what did you do? Were you up in Colton Hill? And I said, no, 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 no. But I did smudge the hostel last night. And I feel like maybe like that did something. And he was like going off and teasing me and being upset about it. And I said, no, no, no. It feels like my feeling is like, there's someone trapped in the hallway and like, it feels like a drunk man trying to get home late at night. Like, I feel like he's like, Hey guys, you smudged me out. Like he couldn't get in. Uh And Adam went white as a sheet. And I was like, what? Tell me. And he was like, there was a bachelor party here last summer. And one of the dudes fell down the spiral staircase and died because he was drunk. Oh, wow. And there was more stories in Scotland, but that one shook me. Okay, so back to the sage. Yeah, why do you think that happened? The crossing wired because you saged. Um, I like I think that I, I can't remember where I learned about not smudging places that don't belong to us. The concept is that, you know, if you move into an apartment that space is energetically now it belongs to you. And I was in a place that did not belong to me and it didn't really belong to anyone. So I didn't have the right to clear the space as though it was my own. That's sort of the belief system around that. And, and, you know, choose whatever belief system works for you. But after I learned that it did resonate for me, it felt expansive for me. And because of how wild that experience was, I've been more conscientious of that moving forward. So Oh, okay. That's good to know, actually. Mm -hmm. And like, I guess like, you know, if you're hosting an event or something, I feel like maybe you could use smoke to cleanse a space for the intention of the ceremony or the uh, event that you're hosting that evening. But I didn't really have any special intention that night in Scotland. I was just being silly. So, you know, and like, did that is there a lot more history to that building other than the gentleman who passed away in the stairwell? Absolutely. So I'm sure that there was probably a lot of spirit energy that felt like I didn't have the right to be practicing that in that space. That makes sense now that you've explained it. Mm-hmm. Cause it, I, you think it's just, it's not going to do any harm. Right. Totally. Then. And then, but then the next morning, it definitely caught your attention. You're like, oh crap, wait, was that because I, I did that? It was crazy. It was so wild. I got up and like, everyone was kind of like, there was a lot of hubbub and people moving about, you know what I mean? And I was like, what's going on? Oh, Ooh. 
<laughs> you're like, that was not me. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> I'm just gonna go now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So hmm. funny. I think one of my biggest takeaways about shifting my perspective on the debate around earthbound spirits is I absolutely think that we, our perception is influenced by the state that we're in. And so when I was a kid, there was a lot of chaos happening around me. It was very common for me to be in a state of anxiety or fear. So I think I was projecting a lot of that onto my experiences. And now that I'm more grounded and versed in my spiritual practices, when I encounter energy that I would have previously interpreted to be frightening or dark or scary, I now have a different perspective of it, which is just that like when I encounter energy that feels dense for me, I think it's just like, if everything comes from light, if everything comes from source, my belief is that that energy that feels that dense has just been fractured off in so many ways, so many times from its natural essence of being light, that it forgets that aspect of itself. So I don't think it's inherently evil. I just think it doesn't remember that it's actually good. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like the more fear-based you are around it, the more you're going to attract to you and the more fear you're going to receive, I think as well. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the energetic match, right? Like, what are you trying to attract more of? And do you really have to be in that state of what you want more of, not what you fear and what you want less of? It's like, what do you want more of? And tune into that vibration. Exactly. And so now if I encounter things that sort of feel more contracting in my energy or like make me feel a little bit nervous or uncomfortable, my strategy is always to bring love and gratitude into my heart and expand my auric field so that light takes up more space around me. I use just a simple intention to like grid my space with light kind of it's like I imagine kind of using light to kind of comb through my space to clear anything out that isn't light. And I usually do that in every direction, like side to side, up, down, front to back um, to just clear anything out that maybe doesn't need to be there or isn't supportive to my highest alignment and things like that. And I'll, I'll usually think of like my, my number one easy gratitude access is thinking of my cat. So I'll like think of my cat and I'll feel warm and fuzzy. And then I use that energy to expand my field or to clear out the space around me. I can see you doing like house clearings in the future. <laughs> like, totally. like this totally. is your job. I think so. I think so. And the cool thing about that is you could do it in person and online. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I was just saying that to my friend yesterday, you know, like we went in, when we went into the barn that he wanted me to feel, I was telling him a lot of the things that we felt and we were like debating whether or not we needed confirmation. And he wanted to check with his partner's family before we did an energetic clearing. And I said, yeah, I can either come back out or we can just do it with intention from anywhere. It's not, not hard to do. I think it does require a little bit of focus, but you know, you can do it from anywhere for sure. Totally. Do you think there's anything like that comes up as like warnings? Like I think I would like to share this story. Remember when we were wanting to get a hotel in Squamish because mm -hmm. we were attending a, a spirit school class 
you're looking at hotels and you're like, I found this one. I found this one. They both are the same price. One's closer to spirit school. One's like a 10 minute drive. And I was like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Probably closer to spirit school is better. But that was like more of like outdated, the furniture, I don't know, like weird wallpaper (laughs) and just not renovated at all. But I was like, yeah, that doesn't really matter. Um, As long as we can walk over. And then as as I was like laying in bed, I was um, I was texting one of my other friends and I was like, yeah, she's asking us if, if we found a hotel yet. And I was like, yeah, well, we might stay at this spooky hotel. I, I was like, yeah, we, we found two hotels, but one looks a little bit more spooky, spooky than the others. So we might we might stay at a, at a haunted motel, like just kind of kidding around. And then she just said like a text message was, um, I really hope you don't stay at the haunted hotel. And at the same time. It made me laugh. I had this like choking sensation and I like couldn't breathe. And um, it was like a weird feeling that actually started in my heart and then mm-hmm. it moved up. It's felt like anxiety times like 2000 in my heart. Like my heart was going like this crazy feeling and then it moved up to my throat and I couldn't um, breathe for like five or so seconds. And then it felt tight, but it, it all of that happened probably for 15 seconds as soon as she said that, like, I hope you don't stay in that haunted hotel. And I was like, what the heck was that? And then I took that as a warning, like, don't stay at that hotel. And it's just interesting. I wonder, like, you know, you never have all the answers, but it's like, was I tuning into that energy, the energy of the hotel? Or like, was there a spirit nearby? Like, I don't know. But whatever it was, I was like, no, I take that as a severe warning, like a huge experience. And then I texted you. I was like, I don't think we should stay there. So I took that as a warning. And then that happened once more. I was looking at concert tickets. And as I was scrolling down, I was like, you can you can sit in the VIP section, the general seating. And I was looking through all the pricing. And then as soon as when I passed general seating, I had that same feeling come up. And I was like, I can't breathe. I felt like I was choking. And I was like, this is, seems like it's like a warning in some way. So I think whenever that happens, I know not to do the thing. But like, mm-hmm. I wonder in your own experience, like, do, do you ever have anything like physical that feels like it's a, a warning for you? You remember the, one of the other details about that story, Michelle, is after after you had that sensation, we found the article that said that there was a police investigation in the building. Right. And so we didn't end up booking there partly because of that. And I think like, I do think that our guides or the universe or whatever you want to call it helps to direct us in the point us in the right direction of what's going to work best for us. So like, I don't think that that means, Oh, there's evil spirits. And if you stay there, they're going to get you. But I do think that that's maybe like uh, a way that your or our guides could have offered us information to say, Hey, while you're doing this other work, trying to hone your skills, this isn't going to be a supportive environment for you to rest in between that learning. You know, I think we would have been overstimulated and abundantly aware of the presence of energy in those spaces. And I also think like when I encounter energy, spirit energy, that that's, that's that strong, that feels more earthbound. The other thing that I try to do, if I have the capacity for it in the moment, is tune into the need. Like what was happening? Like I I think energy like that gets trapped 
when there's like a, a really strong feeling that didn't get to come to completion. Sort of like when we have a trauma response that didn't get to come to completion, you know? And so it's like, you know, maybe the spirits connected to that motel hadn't moved through their, their like life lesson stage in, in the, in the afterlife, or there was just like a, a, an energy that was unresolved there that we weren't going to have the capacity to work with. But one of the other experiences that I had in Scotland was being in a museum and looking at a skeleton and I could feel the energy connected to the skeleton, which was the first woman to have a C-section in Scotland. Scotland was one of the birthplaces of medicine and the energy around the skeleton or connected to it was frantic it was like this woman frantically searching for her baby and this was before my mediumship training and so like I'm just standing there in public with like a friend who I've only met recently and like a couple days prior and I had to kind of try to telepathically communicate with the spirit to say to her hey like I hear you I hear your need right now and your baby actually isn't on this plane anymore. Your baby has already transitioned to the other side and it's going to be way easier for you to go and find your baby in the light, you know? And do I do I have 100% confirmation that she was able to transition to the other side? No, but I set that intention in that moment and I hope I hope that that shifted that for her. Yeah, it's like with energy it's really hard to figure out like where it's coming from <laughs> or like mm-hmm. what the if it's just a trapped emotion, if it just hasn't been resolved. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. The more you learn about it, the more you can answer these types of questions or even just kind of lean on what you believe. Um, we could do a quick rapid fire before we finish. Sure. Let's do it. Otherwise I could keep you here all night. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So first question, what is your sun rising and moon sign? I am a Cancer Sun, Rising Leo, Scorpio Moon. And so I think it's that Scorpio Moon that's so tuned into sort of some of that shadow stuff, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. You can incarnate as any animal. Which would you choose? Oh, probably a cat. I'm pretty obsessed with cats. And I would love to just lounge in the sun and sleep all day. Have someone feed me. Get a human slave. Sounds like a pretty good next lifetime. Totally. I love that. Okay, what's the best prank you've played on somebody or somebody has played on you? Ooh. Oh my god, that's so hard. What's the best prank that someone has played on me? I mean, like that sage thing was kind of a funny prank that ended up going totally sideways. I think like, because when I was little, my brother used to prank me so much and I was so sensitive that I hated it. So I like, actually don't like, I'll tease people and I like have no problem like egging someone on if they're like, oh, I'm scared of ghosts. I'll be like, oh, there's a ghost. But I don't like jump out and scare people the way some of my friends do. Me? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Have I scared you before? I can't remember, but I feel like if you have, I low-key felt it coming. (laughs) But I've watched you scare other people, and it's one of my favorite things about you, because you look so innocent, and then you're such a little sneak. Yeah. 
Okay, my brother used to like jump out from behind things a lot when we were little. So I would just be like going about my business and he would be like, ah! and it just scared the daylights out of me. I hate that feeling so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's weird that I love that feeling. I like want people to scare me. <laughs> That's so funny. What is your favorite book or podcast to learn anything about spirituality or anything in general? Outside of Spirit Scoop? Yes, outside of mine. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Yes, I love Danielle's podcast as well. Um, And I think my other favorite one is Michael Lennox, Conscious Embodiment. He talks a lot about, um, he's primarily astrology. So he usually gives you a weekly forecast. You just interviewed him. So, you know. Oh, yeah. But that's my favorite one. Also, because at the end of every episode, he does dream interpretation. And I do a lot of dream work. I feel like I, I have extremely long, vivid dreams with a lot of like imagery and messaging. I have a lot of spirit encounter in dreams. So that's another avenue that I'd be really excited to explore more deeply moving forward. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's my favorite book. Probably anything by Caroline Miss. Oh, yeah. She's a go-to. Yeah. Okay, what inspires you? Ooh. There's a couple of things that like really drive me on a fundamental level, which is connection. I love connecting people. Like I've been a hairstylist for 20 years. And my favorite part about that job is when a client's sitting in my chair and they're like, oh no, I need a fill in the blank. I need a lawyer. I need a dentist. And I'm like, I have one. I know one. Let me give you the number. You need an acupuncturist. I got one for you. I love that. That really like makes me excited. And um, finding any way to make spirituality practical and accessible to anyone on their own terms, you know, like spirituality doesn't have to be meditating and wearing white and never swearing it can be walking through the forest and listening to your breath it can be you know like my brother finds a lot of spirituality I think around music he loves writing music and DJing and like dissecting the rhythm of things you know so I think just like finding way out any way for people to have a spiritual relationship with themselves on their own terms also makes me really excited um, I love that answer. What was the last thing that you Googled? Oh my gosh. Can pull I look? <laughs> yeah. Pull up the phone. Show us the deets. Okay. Let's see. Ah! Okay. So the last thing I was Googling was Sun Yat-sen Garden in Chinatown. I wanted to know the history and I wanted to know any of the like affiliated language and, and like stories and people and everything around it. I'm sort of having some conversations with a close friend of mine about combining on a business, a business endeavor. And that is the location where it would take place. So I was like trying to think of, names for the business opportunity and other things that could be incorporated to honor the place and the area that it's connected to. Mm. Yep. Love it. What was your favorite class in high school? Like, was it history? You know what? I never took history and it's one of my biggest regrets. I really wish that I had, I think I would have loved it, 
I did not excel in social studies. And when it came to those last two years in high school, where you get to choose which sciences you focused on, I ended up taking biology, which is so weird, but I do find it handy when it comes to like, it was part of my energy healing program. So I already had a basic understanding when I had to take anatomy and physiology at a college level. And uh, I also find it helpful when like medical things come up intuitively with clients. Like I don't profess to be any sort of a medical professional whatsoever, but I will say to people, I have a sense that this thing is missing from your diet or I'm being drawn to this part of your body. So maybe make an appointment with your doctor and see if everything is okay there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm surprised you didn't take history. I think you would love it. I totally agree. I mean, there's always uh, opportunities in the future, right? I I would love to take a history class somewhere. So maybe I will do that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Um, What is your favorite crystal? Probably turquoise, you know, like I was gonna, I was gonna get creative and think about other, other crystals, but like, I'm so drawn to turquoise all the time. I couldn't tell you exactly why. I know it's affiliated with the throat, the throat chakra, but there's like something so grounding about it. It feels like, you know, if everything above the heart chakra is um, connected to mental, emotional, spiritual, and everything below the heart chakra is connected to the physical world and our physical being, the throat chakra being turquoise would not be a grounding stone, but there's something about it that makes me feel more grounded. I wonder if it's just because the color of water. That too. Find water that's it's grounding? Yes, I do. I totally do. I take a lot of Epsom salt baths. Mm-hmm. Or I wonder too, if you have like a turquoise aura. I don't know if you follow like this aura reader, Mystic Michaela, but she talks about all the colors of auras. And it's like usually your favorite color. I don't know if your favorite color is turquoise, but usually your favorite color has to do with like uh, ends up being like your aura color, like your main aura color, but you can have up to three aura Mm. colors. Well, and you know what else is funny is you remember when we were at the spirit school retreat last year and we did that activity where we were invited to paint our, what was it? We were invited to paint our soul. Weren't we? Yeah. Yeah. That was the primary color of my painting. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Kind of spot on. Might be something there. Yeah, I'll have to go get one of those pictures taken somewhere. Yeah. What would you be your bachelorette limo entrance? My bachelorette limo entrance? Like for the show The Bachelorette? Have you seen oh that? Oh my before? God. <laughs> oh my God. So like, you know, I've watched The Bachelor, but not enough times. Like, is this where they give like a little speech about themselves? Yeah. And they come out of the limo and they have like a minute or two just to kind of introduce themselves before they go in. So they have to stand out, but it can be as extravagant or as simple as you like. So feel free to get creative. Oh my God. That's so funny. Let me just think for a sec. Yeah. Take your time. (laughs) I mean, like one of the things that comes to mind is when we were, again, when we were at the spirit school retreat and we kind of went around the circle and introduced ourselves, but I probably wouldn't introduce myself the same way at The Bachelor. I remember how you introduced yourself. Yeah. (laughs) It was funny because like everyone else at the retreat was like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And this is my primary spiritual offering. I do mediumship or psychic readings or Akashic record readings. And I was like, 
hey, I'm Carolyn. You can also call me Snoop Doggy C. And if anyone needs any medicine over the weekend, wink, wink, you can just give me the old ear tug or come and find me. But yeah. no, I would probably not say that on The Bachelor. What would I say? I'd probably say something cheeky like, hey, I'm Carolyn. Don't be fooled by my innocent appearance. Underneath, I'm all sass. And if you, you know, cross me the wrong way, you'll be in for it. Or something funny like that. I don't know. I love it. Just make them laugh. Yeah. I could also see you coming in on, on a red carpet, like Celine Dion with your microphone. Yes. Oh, you got yeah. This little voice girl. Oh, thank you. You know what? That's probably a much better entrance. Let's go with yours. I like that better because I do like the dramatic flair, you know? So there could be like the funny version or there could be the serious version where, you know, she steps out of the limo and I'm like, I'm Carolyn and I'm here to slay. And if you're not on board, get out of my way. See? Oh, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, there it is. There it is. I love it. Okay. Well, oh, I did say I was going to sign you up for that show, did I? Oh uh, my. Are you going to? Sure, if you want me to. <laughs> if I, I mean, have I'm a bit too old. I like maybe if they do geriatric bachelor, I'd fit on that. No, I don't think so. You're not too old. Well, they got the golden bachelor now, which is people like 70 there. Okay. Yeah, you but can sign me up. You're not quite there yet though. <laughs> a couple more years until you I'd rather be the youngest person on the oldest show mm-hmm. than the oldest person on the youngest show. And maybe that'll bring me a new experience in my dating life. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Mm. Ooh, you know, they're more like quotes from spiritual mentors that I have learned from along the way, not even necessarily personally. One of the people that I follow in a very casual way is Matt Kahn. He said, the will of the heart is to remain open. Mm-hmm. And what it translates to mean is that even in those moments where we're feeling hurt or betrayed, or like we don't really have the courage or the will to keep going, the heart still believes the heart always has faith. And so when we when we go, oh, I can't do it, or I don't want to, or I'm so upset, or I'm mad at them, and we try to close our heart, it actually creates the feeling of contraction in our body. Whereas if we allow the heart to say, yes, I've been hurt, yes, I've been betrayed, or right now I'm feeling tired, but the will of the heart is to remain open, I stay open, and I'm still willing to receive, and I'm still willing to believe, that always creates a more expansive feeling in my body. So whenever I'm in a place of struggle, I try to anchor into that phrase, the will of the heart is to remain open. And then the other one is, could the opposite also be true? When I'm anxious or stressed or worrying, I ask myself, okay, Do I know that that's true? And could the opposite also be true? What's the best thing that could happen as opposed to the worst thing? Wow. I love those. So yeah, thank you for sharing those ones. I love that. The heart one. Oh my gosh. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. I Mm. love that one. Okay. What would be your last meal before you leave the planet on your last day? I'm such a nerd. It would probably be like... (laughs) 
probably like a Cactus Club steak frites, medium rare with Caesar salad. There's just something all encompassing about that meal. What pa- what drink would you pair with it? Ooh, uh, prosecco. Prosecco, of course. Always, <laughs> no question. And I think I think that's it. You, you survived. Perfect. We did it. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. That was fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. Of course. And if people like want to connect and follow you, um, just link. I'll I'll link all your sh- your notes in the show notes, but. Yeah, where can people find you if they want to learn more or communicate or just reach out to you or book a session with you? Yep. Right now, the best place to find me is my Instagram account, which is CC the sensitive, the letter C two times, and then the word the and the word sensitive. And I check my messages there on a regular basis. And um, I don't have a link to my website there yet, but that'll be coming up soon. Perfect. Sounds good. Okay. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great evening. Thank you.